Hi, and welcome to episode 209 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led entrepreneurs and business owners learn how to use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. This show is brought to you by Syndable, which is the all-in-one social media management tool that my agency uses every day to schedule and analyze our clients' results. You can try them out for yourself by going to onlinedrea.com slash syndable. And I'll put that link, all of the links in the show notes, onlinedrea.com slash 209. So processes and systems don't exactly rev most people's engines, but Audrey Khan is not most people. She has witnessed the transformative power of processes and systems again and again for 20 years, and she's been streamlining processes to make agencies, teams, and projects run more efficiently and effortlessly. Audrey has worked in agencies supporting clients like Procter & Gamble and Pepsi, and she's worked client-side in corporations before starting her own business. She's scaled teams of multiple six and seven figures, and in 2021, supported an agency owner to sell and exit his own business. Audrey hosts the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, and I've been on the show, so definitely check out my episode. Uh, Her podcast helps micro agencies navigate sustainable growth and scale their services delivery to multiple six figures with a small but mighty team. Audrey, welcome to the show. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you for that. I'm super excited to kind of pick your brain today because systems aren't smexy. <laughs> a lot yeah, of no. us, we, we'd use them because we have to. So um, talk to us about your journey. How did you get into this world of systems? Yeah, I worked in agencies and then in corporate uh, building marketing teams for about 12 years. And then in 2013, I started side gigging some small contracts. Uh, by 2015, I went full-time in my business and that was seven years ago. A lot of that um, courage to go full-time in my business was inspired by my mom passing she was diagnosed with cancer and had passed away three weeks after that. And it changed my perspective on life. I wanted more control of time, but I also didn't want to be like 65 and looking back and feeling like I didn't reach my highest potential. So that's how I decided that I would go full time in my business. The first four years in my business was spent primarily running consulting projects. So I worked behind the scenes of agencies focused on translating strategy into systems and processes and then activating teams. In the past three years, going on to four now, my business has pivoted into customized coaching for creatives, consultants, and marketers to help them grow their agencies. And this year, uh, we launched our Mighty Pod Model Program. And yeah, that's, um, I just feel like every four years, my business has gone through this evolution, but one thing has been constant for us, and that's the power of systems and processes. Yes, I love that journey. And when we think about systems and processes, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel very overwhelming. So what's kind of your perspective or your framework to talking about this um, specifically in like a non-technical way? Yeah, I love this question. Yeah, (laughs) overwhelm is the number one reason why people avoid systems and processes. 
I think when you think of systems and processes, like this one enormous project, it's certain you're going to get overwhelmed. If you think of it like renovating a house, you wouldn't wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to do it all. Like every single room in one week, you're going to pick a specific room to start. And if you want to get out of that overwhelm for systems and processes, the same is true. How you approach it um, is about perspective. And my perspective is one service, one system at a time. So systems are core functions in your business, and it's required for your business to make money. Right. Processes, though, are activities inside that system that work together to make that system function. So we can really start to reduce the overwhelm by narrowing down how we see systems. Systems is five categories. Right. So the five categories, this is how I think about systems. Remember, we're going to choose one system. And so there are five categories, five systems. The first system is marketing. Those are the things you do to create visibility. The second is sales. These are things that you do to convert people into buyers. The third is delivery. That's delivering your services. The fourth is human resources. That's hiring and training. And the last is administrative. So things like finances. And if you think about reducing overwhelm, you're not going to start by choosing a process in every single system. That's not, that's, that's overwhelming. What you want to do is choose one system. So is it marketing? Is it sales? Is it delivery? Is it HR or is it a min? And then if you run an agency, you're going to have multiple number of services that you offer. So just choose one service that you offer, pick one system. System, and that's where you start. That eliminates overwhelm. Yes. I love how you broke it down into the categories as well. Because I do think sometimes as business owners, we want to fix everything like yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. if we just break it down one thing at a time, one step at a time, I think that's so helpful. So you know, when we think about breaking it down, which one do you recommend starting with? Ah. My clients are typically at a place where they need to create more capacity and they've reached a revenue ceiling. So the worry in their business is that the business will sink without them. When that's the challenge, and that's usually the case, the priority is service delivery processes. It's the fastest way to help people gain more capacity and overcome that income plateau that they're at. And you know this as well as I do. You really can't grow a service business when the client work is dependent on just you. So the unique thing about service delivery is that it's actually made out of like two different types of processes. I call it the craft and the art or the art and the craft. Craft is like the production work. Some people might think, oh, it's easy for me to figure out the production work, right? It's a step-by-step of how we do things. There's other part to it. And that's why I call the art. Those are things that are like the strategy or the genius of the business owner. Those are the things that are like stuck inside the business owner's head. And it's what keeps that business owner the bottleneck in their business. Your craft or production is about 80% of your processes and service delivery. And the other part, the art is 20%. And a lot of the work uh, that I do with the people that I work with is getting that 20% out of their head. And It's amazing because that 20% makes that 80% work better. It's that 20% that actually helps the people that I work with become independent of the actual client work and be able to pass that knowledge down to their team. And I'm pretty sure you're you're familiar with the 80-20 principle. It applies here too, right? It applies here too. It's 20% of the work creates 80% of the results. 20% of the processes inside service delivery can help support 80% of 
the results. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Listen, you've been on like my list, dream list of working with you for my agency for a while now. And I'm convinced <laughs> that I need this because the art piece is a piece that, you know, we consistently struggle with as an agency. People want to work directly with me and my time is limited. <laughs> and so how do I clone that? Um, that's beautiful. I love that. And I think when we start breaking it down into those core functions, the art, the craft, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm curious how this shows up in your business specifically. Um, we, we find this happens a lot, even with social media where, you know, we'll get clients and they have the art in their head, for instance. Yeah. And we're trying to break that down into social posts. So how do you kind of navigate that within your own business? That's such a great question. When I think about how to pull art out of your head, you're not going to be sitting alone in a room with a piece of paper trying to pull it out because that keeps you trapped in your own thinking. The easiest way to pull out what's in your head is to grab a team member and have them come along beside you and capture how you might think through something. And when we think about how you might think through something, it's oftentimes not catching the how, but catching the why. And I think that's what most people miss when they're trying to transfer their genius over to another team member or put it into a process. They're so busy focused on, here's how I do it. Step one, step two, step three. But there's no discovery of the why. And it's that why and explaining to someone and teaching someone that why that helps someone see the critical thinking, which is what we really want to do, right? We want to build a team of not just doers, but thinkers. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love all of it. I'm convinced. So if you're an agency owner and you're listening to this, hire Audrey. This is amazing. Um, okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about social media because I know from your own journey, you didn't immediately start posting on social media. So talk about what changed for you as your business shifted over the years. Oh my goodness. Um, for the first four years of my business, because of the size of the projects that I was writing. So I ran a consultancy, pure consultancy for the first four years. It didn't require much social media to market my business. And it's, it's when I added coaching services that I changed how I looked at social media. I now needed to have more presence. And so I started to get more consistent on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Um, my content in the beginning was all over the place. Like I would just have a random idea and I would just push it out there. It wasn't doing me any favors. And I'm pretty sure anyone who was following me was probably confused about what I was actually trying to communicate. Um, for me, I think um, getting more clarity on my positioning and my core messages over the last four years has helped me have more joy in doing social media. I don't think I'm a person who na is naturally inclined to desire visibility. Like I, I'm one of those people who is happy, hello, systems and processes in the back end, right? Doing the things and not being the person in the front. And so it really has become a practice for me of learning to be visible. And when I say a practice of learning to be visible, what I mean by that is 
I've had to put in accountability. So I am not just uh, a team of one. So I have a full-time employee as well. And I have a team who supports me. And my team, when it comes to social media, they tell me, they come to me and say, today we need to do a reel. Or I should say, next week we need to do a reel. Please film this. And because I have someone waiting on me for this thing, I'll do it. If you said, if you said, if I said to myself, Hey, Audrey, I need to film three reels in the month of March and I put them in my calendar. I'm going to find a reason not to do it. But because I know someone is waiting for me to edit that content for a reel, it's going to get done. Yes. The accountability of having people wait on you. I found that just as business was growing. Um, I remember when I started to use Asana for task management, when it was just me, I would put things in Asana and then the deadline would pass and I go, ah, it's just me. But as soon as I started having team members, I was like, oh, I have to be on this. Like, not only are they waiting on it, but I need to be an example of like actually checking these tasks off. So I totally, totally understand that. <laughs> I love that you're a Asana user too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obsessed. If it's not in my Asana, it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about kind of that that process a little bit more. You mentioned your team comes to you and, and requests reels. Um, how much of your social media is you? How much of it is your team? And how far in advance do you work? I wish I could be a few months ahead, but I'm not. I'm typically about 30 days ahead in my social media content. When it comes to content, what happens is I write emails are pretty meaty. And so my emailers are very meaty and my team uses my emails and transforms them into social media posts. Sometimes I will go in and I will write posts if I'm really inspired to write something, but most of the time the content comes from my emailers. When it comes to like anything that has to do with like graphics or whatnot, that's not me. I don't have the art background if I were to design something, it would just look like a splash of colors, a whole mess. So my team takes over the whole entire designing anything uh, on my social media platforms. They help craft the captions, but I always and have still maintained editing uh, my captions. So nothing goes out right now without me looking at it. And that's because my voice is really important to me. And I feel that my marketing is something that I am not ready to let go of right now. And it's important that, you know, I still have really a really good, um, a good handle on it, which means eyeballs on, on the content before it goes out. Where my team is really supportive, like I mentioned, is, um, coming in and like even writing my emailers. Sometimes it's really hard for me to sit in front of a blank page and start to put words down. What I found really helpful is having team members come to me and say, okay, well, this month, let's look at some social media content for this, or let's look at some email content for this. And they have a, a bunch of questions that they'll ask me. And those questions are just to get me talking because I am the person who does best when I am verbalizing content, right? So if I were to just start with a piece of paper, it, it wouldn't make any sense to me. I have to get someone to ask me the questions to verbalize it. And then usually it's captured by some sort of recording software. Uh, I use Descript and I dump it into Descript. And from Descript, it gives me like a basic word for word output 
of that uh, video or that recording. And I just scrape it and highlight it for key things. And that's how I usually pull out my ideas and turn them into emailers. And then those emailers become content for my team to put into social media. I love the idea of verbalizing it first. I'm a verbal processor as well. And I find that if I can't sit down and like brainstorm about it a little bit, um, it ends up being either like very circular or just like not as in depth of content. So I like that you do that. And I love that you use your newsletter as well or your email blast as well, because we are a huge fan of work hard once <laughs> and you're working hard once on that piece of content and then like maximizing it for social media, which is great. Um, talk to me about kind of your social media growth plan. So we talked about content. Um, what are you doing to attract new people into your community? I'm focusing on LinkedIn this year. Mm -hmm. I personally am finding a lot of joy in LinkedIn. I just love the nature of the conversations there. And growing my audience is having more thoughtful conversations in my DM over LinkedIn. That's what matters to me. It really isn't about looking at how many LinkedIn followers I have. That That's a vanity metric. And we all know that. And so my growth strategy is really about doing what already works really well. And for me, I noticed that when I put out content that is transparent. So what I mean by that is I've always been afraid to be more visible by being transparent. So vulnerable, being vulnerable on social media. And it's funny because when I thought about using LinkedIn, I thought, oh yeah, here's this platform where I can go forward and just say all the professional things and, and it'll be great. People just connect to that. But what I found is that actually there's a huge space in LinkedIn for being vulnerable. And the the content that I put out there that is vulnerable is the one that gets the most um, response to. And so this year I'm really committing to being more vulnerable on LinkedIn to uh, connect to people in a very authentic way. Yeah. And I like LinkedIn for that. I think there's a, there's a mass exodus from Facebook. <laughs> people are tired of it. Um, and LinkedIn is a professional platform, but the conversations there can be so insightful, as you've mentioned. And honestly, you don't need as much content as some of the other platforms. So it's a lot of fun. What about any trends? Are there any trends or any new types of things that you're going to try on social media this year? My strategy is to do works well, even better. I, I don't get distracted by trends. I think... For me, what I am doing right now is I'm focusing on being more prolific in using a storytelling framework as an approach to my content. So I don't connect to trends because I feel like I could be forever running a hamster wheel of trying to join all the different uh, things that are happening. And I think there's something that I know that works well for me, and that is telling great stories on online. And I could get better at that. I know that for a fact I can get better at storytelling. So this year, it's really about perfecting and getting prolific at that storytelling framework, applying it to my content. And when I say a storytelling framework, what I really mean is I'm noticing, and you probably noticed this as well too, that all the how-to content is just no longer relevant. Like there's too much how-to content out there. And so my strategy this year is really getting prolific at taking a position and sharing stories about that position. And so if that's a trend, I don't even think that's a trend, but if that is a trend, that's the one that I'm following this year. I think it is. I mean, I think it's just a shift of social media in that there, there isn't this need to 
be all things to all people or even to be like perfectly polished is to show up as a real person and have real connection and real conversations. And I think that's where that, that storytelling piece comes from. So last question on this topic is how are you measuring the success of some of the things that you're putting on social? Oh man, um, I have a marketing scorecard that I use with my team. So we measure numbers in that scorecard. When it comes to social media, it's like I said, I, I don't think I am the person that is the most, um, that's most, that does the best at measuring my output and my success on there. My measurement has always really been, Hey, like how many authentic conversations am I having through my, my DMs? And right now it's through LinkedIn. It's really like, how many people am I connecting? And it's not like I'm reaching out through LinkedIn and say, Hey, buy my things. That's not what I'm doing. It's really, it's really having a conversation where someone says, Hey, like that's a really cool piece of content you put out there. Or I saw you say this about something. Hey, can you share more about that? Those are the types of conversations that I'm having. And I, I know for the type of work that I have been doing and working with agency owners, the conversion for me has always been through building authentic relationships, right? It's like building an authentic relationship with someone, understanding what's happening in their business, and then having a conversation, seeing what fit there is between what I do and what their struggle is. And that's not a, hey, buy my thing type of conversation. It's a, uh, a conversation about relating to one another and really seeing if we can join forces to solve a problem together. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's more of the, it's not really like a hard metric. It's like a, a soft metric of the things, but the things that actually make a difference in your business. And I think, um, sometimes it is easy to get focused on the vanity metrics of the followers and the engagement. But at the end of the day, it's those sorts of conversations that turn into business. So I love that. Um, all right. As we wrap up today, talk to us about your mighty pod model program. Yeah. The pod model is a unit within a business that services your client. So what is the mighty pod model? It really is a team model for service providers that they may not have heard of yet. The mighty pod model, which is our program, it, it's meant to support creators, consultants, and agency owners to build this asset, this team asset that helps them grow their service business with more ease. When you get your first pod in place, which is the mighty pod model, you can replicate it over and over again to scale. Or, you know, if you don't want to scale, you can just have one pod in your business so that you can stop worrying that your service business will sink if you stop working. And, and that's a great goal too. So our mighty pod model program is meant to help a business owner, a solopreneur design and build that first unit, that first team in their business that they can replicate over and over again as an asset to scale or grow their business. Yes. I love that. So for those people who are interested, where do they connect with you online? Like pimp yourself out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you want to learn more about the Mighty Pod Model, uh, you can go to mightypodmodel.com to get more information there or simply just email us at supports at audreyjoyquan.com. Perfect. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes. Audrey, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to another episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. If you like the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a five-star review. It helps keep us in the top marketing charts, which is all thanks to your support. 
Next week, I'm talking all about social media strategies specifically for life coaches. We have a lot of life coaches on our roster and I want to bring you the amazing strategies that have been working so far for them this year. I'll see you then. Bye for now. 